Well, it's good to have you guys here. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do this. If you saw my notes, you would notice I've got five pages of notes here, but you don't have to be afraid. I made them in a size 18 font because I was hoping I wouldn't have to use my reading glasses. And so I can see it, but it's still clearer with the reading glasses. Isn't that sad? Well, because it's a holiday, I thought we'd try not to get too deep. I figured we'd try to stick with a topic that we could easily digest and wouldn't cause us too much introspection. So I decided that after prayer, that today I would just talk to you about why you are on this planet right now. And I know with a topic this light, we probably don't even need to pray. We could probably just do this easily, but I think we're going to anyway. So would you pray with me? And let's ask God to reveal his heart to us today. Lord, I'm glad to be here. And it would be fun to be here just to be with this group of people, to be in fellowship with them, to say hi to them, to greet them, to talk a little bit about what's going on in their life. That alone would make it worth it to be here today. But there's something else that, even if we didn't have that, would make it worth being here. And that's because you're here. It's because your presence is here. Lord, it's taken me a long time, but I think I'm learning that nothing happens by accident and that you are very purposeful in everything that you do, in everything that you allow in our life. And today, Lord, talking about something that quite honestly is too big for me and I've got these notes sitting in front of me and Lord the truth is all of them could mean nothing all of them could just be gibberish unless you say something unless you through the Holy Spirit make it clear to us so that's what we're asking you for today Lord we're asking that you would make your words clear to us, that you would meet with us here, and that something about today would transform us and would make us look and live more like you. Lord, may you be glorified today. Come, Holy Spirit. Reveal yourself through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I will now fulfill this banana's destiny. Born in the jungles of Guatemala, braving Arctic blasts and marauding elephants, shipped halfway around the world, and now its destiny fulfilled to be consumed by me. Enjoy this banana, for this is what you were made for. This is why you were placed on our blue planet. 
Here at the end of your life, you may look back without regret, for you were made for me, and in you, I am well pleased. Enter into the joy of your master. I know where that banana's entering in the next 24 hours, and it ain't joy. Fulfilled bananas. Colonics got them, others don't. Makes you glad you're not a banana, doesn't it? In Sunday school, our Iron Man group, we've been reading a book in which the author has been challenging us to consider why we're here on the planet. And he tells us that we are made by God with a specific purpose in mind. And I'm pretty sure that if you were to ask a hundred born-again believers if God had a purpose for their life, I'll bet you would probably get 100 of them to say yes. But where they might differ is what that purpose actually is and how it's expressed in their life. In Matthew 22, a man asked Jesus, he said, Jesus, what, what's the greatest commandment? What's the big one? What's the, what's the one thing that I've got to make sure that I do more than any other? And Jesus gave him a response that was a two-part answer. And it's one that we've all heard before. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That makes sense. And he said, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Now today, I could have used Matthew's passage as our text. But there's another text that I like even better because it gives, it gives me a better visual of what Jesus was talking about. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand. And there are different reasons for standing when we read the Word of God. One is certainly out of reverence, and we certainly want to revere God's Word. But this is also to help you stay awake in case we go past lunch today. I love nervous laughter. It's a well-known passage, one that we've... Uh, I'm sure you've probably heard preached on far better than I will today, but I think that God has a couple of things that he'd like to share with us that might be a help on our journey. The topic is the vine and the branches. John chapter 15, and we're going to read, uh, we're going to read this entire section through verse 17, so stay with me. This is Jesus talking. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. 
If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. We'll try this without glasses. Last week, Steve asked a question, and that question was, what kind of soil are you? How did you answer that question? Did you answer honestly? And if so, what kind of soil did you find yourself to be? The four soils was the path in which there was no response to the gospel. There was the rocky ground in which the seed had no root and it fell away during trouble and persecution. And then there was the seed that fell among the thorns, the soil that had the thorns in it. And the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the American dream ended up choking out that word. And then there was the good soil. And this good soil, it produced a crop of 160 and 30-fold. How do you know if you're good soil or not? Well, it's pretty obvious, actually. You produce a crop. Now, the passage that we just read in John 15, I think it underscores the importance that Jesus puts on living a life of fruitfulness. I got to meet with some of our young people on Friday, and we went through this passage. And one of the things that Jaden pointed out was that in this passage alone, there are 17 verses, and there are 10 times in this verse, in, the, in, this, in this set of scripture, where it uses the word fruit, produce fruit, bear fruit, be fruitful, produce much fruit, produce lasting fruit. And I think God's trying to tell us something there. So what is the fruit of our life? You know, we hear about that all the time. Uh, I think that's, what, that's probably one of the words that we as Christians hear a lot of. We hear about fruit. What is the fruit of our life? Some might say that it's people coming to know the Lord, and I think that could certainly be part of it. But I think, I think it's a bigger thing. I think it's a bigger concept. But I think it's a pretty simple one. It's just really big. I think the fruit of our life that we are called to bear is this. It's the end result of every thought, word, and action of our life. It's the aroma, the feel, and the taste that we leave with people long after 
we've left their presence. That's the fruit of our life. And the truth is, everyone produces fruit. All of us do. Whether we think we do or not, we all produce some kind of fruit. The question is, is your fruit good enough to last? Because that's one of the things that Jesus is looking for. He says, I want you to bear lasting fruit. If you remember when Paul, I think he was talking to the Corinthians, and he talked about, he talked about the foundation that we build that is Jesus Christ. And then he gave them a warning. He said, but you know what? Be careful about what you build on that foundation. Because you can build with wood and hay and stubble, or you can build with things that are eternal, things that are lasting. You can build with silver and gold and precious gems. There are things in our life, folks, that we will leave behind. And some of those things, some of those things will matter when we stand before the Lord. And some of those things won't. What kind of fruit do you have? And is it good enough to last? When I look at Jesus, you know, this is, uh, we've been talking, I've been talking with my Sunday school guys for a few weeks now about purpose. And I've kind of, it's kind of been something that's been, I don't want to say nagging at me, but it's, it's been persistent. I wake up in the morning now thinking more about my purpose than I ever did before. And the truth is that's a shame because I think when I was a young man, I should have been thinking about the very things that I'm thinking about now in my 40s. I think that we live out our purpose whether we know what that purpose is or not, whether we believe in that purpose or not, we, we will live it out. And it's important for us to understand, folks, why we're here, why we exist. And sometimes we go through life, even as believers, and I don't know that we really think about that. I, I know I don't. There, were, there, there have been many times, many days in my life that I just got up and I lived life. I did my thing without really asking the Lord, Lord, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to do today? How do you want me to live? And I think many of us, even as believers, we would say, yes, God has a purpose for my life. But if we were asked to really define what that purpose looks like in our daily life, many of us would have trouble actually explaining that. I think sometimes it can even be a little bit of a burden to think, okay, God, I've got to live with purpose. I'm waking up here. What do I do? How do I live? What, do I, what, what am I supposed to be doing? And I don't think that that's God's intention at all. I think that when we have purpose in our life, I think it frees us. Matter of fact, look back here in this John 15 scripture. It says, if I can find it without using my glasses... Verse 11, right after he talks about remaining in his love, he says, I've told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Folks, I believe this, that there is a joy in knowing our purpose, in knowing why we are created. When I get up in the morning and I have an understanding that God has something special for me, it should fill me up, and it should give me energy and motivation for my day. So how do you know what fruit is good? Well, 
Look at Jesus. I love the way that Jesus bore fruit. Would you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 9 and talk a little, little story out of Jesus' life. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we can get a little paralyzed when we try to think about, okay, God, how do I bear fruit for you? There's a story, I think, that, that illustrates how Jesus did that. John chapter 9, verse 1, says this. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he said, and wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. This is a great story, but the thing that actually stood out to me the most about this story was the very first line when it said, as he went. As he went. How many times in our life do we look at the circumstances that we're in as random? And I'm not talking big circumstances. I'm talking about going to Walmart, going to school, going to work. The things that we do all the time and we don't even think about them. When I go to play tennis or I go to coach tennis, the different things that we do every day, that's as we walk. One of the coolest things about Jesus is it seems that Jesus just seemed to walk into situations where he was able to touch people's life. And I think that that's one of the things that God wants us to know. As we walk, as we go, there's another passage there where it talks about how as he went, as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, it says he runs into two fishermen, Peter and Andrew, and he calls them just as he was walking. It doesn't say that any of this was premeditated. It was simply as he was going. Folks, think about your day. Think about the, the, the many things that you and I do during the course of a day that we don't even think about, the errands that we run, the chores that we do, and the people that we run into on the way. I think that's a lot of what Jesus did. I'm sure there were times when he planned on going to this place or this place and there'd be a lot of people. But the truth is, so much of what Jesus did, he just did as he was walking along. How many random situations in our day, in one day, do we sometimes miss opportunities, sometimes multiple opportunities to touch people 
because we're not ready, because we're not thinking about it, because we're so busy with what we have to do and what we have to get done that we forget that you and I have been called to bear fruit just like Jesus did. Anybody ever eat bad fruit? Try passing soft grapes off to your seven-year-old. It doesn't work. You know, you hate wasting grapes as a parent. And so when I'm cutting, you know, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm preparing them, sometimes there will be ones in here that are, that are a little mushier than others, and I'll try to pass those off to Emily. Uh-uh. It doesn't even work. Well, see, there is bad fruit, too, that we can pass on. Bad fruit, we all know, is yucky. I don't know of anyone that likes rotten fruit. Matthew 7 talks about the fact that we will be known by our fruit. You can turn there if you want. I'm going to read it. You don't have to turn there. Matthew 7, 15 through 20. It says this, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. You know, I said earlier that we will all bear some kind of fruit. And there are those that bear bad fruit. What does that bad fruit look like? Well, it's evident. Galatians 5, verse 19 through 21. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature... The results are very clear. You know what very clear means, right? It means that you can see it. And it also means that other people can see it. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful desires, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other Sins like these, meaning that these are not all-inclusive. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why am I saying that? I think because it's important that we understand, folks, that every action... Every thought, every word that we speak is meant by God to have an impact that builds his kingdom. But I'll be the first to admit that there are things on this list that I still do, that I can still struggle with. And if I'm not careful... That's the kind of fruit that I leave for other people. 
It's a warning. And I think we have to take it seriously. So, what's the difference maker? Why do some people produce good fruit and some people produce bad fruit? When Emily was born, she, we didn't know this at the time. We didn't actually find out this until later. Uh, but she came very quickly. Heidi was induced. Uh, we, we knew the day. And they brought Heidi in, and they gave her something to help induce Emily because they, they thought that Emily would be very big. turned out that she wasn't. But it turned out to be a godsend that they ended up inducing her because we found out later, the doctor said that they think that she had, um, her umbilical cord had a, a condition called velamentous cord insertion. And that's basically when the umbilical cord that attaches into the placenta is not... It's not attached properly. And there are blood vessels, important blood vessels that bring nutrients to the, to the baby that can rupture during childbirth. And the most likely result of that is a stillborn baby. Now, we had no idea that Emily was in danger of that until after she was born. But the doctor told us, see, when Heidi, uh, when, when Heidi started to go into labor, we were expect. They told us. They said, you know, it'll be. You know, once we start this, it'll be several hours until she starts fe really feeling things. And so, we were actually kind of relaxing. There was a big room, and uh, the 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 bed where the, she would deliver was over here, and there was a couch over here in, in in another room, and we were all just kind of chilling over here. Matter of fact, I think uh, my sister-in-law Cindy and Jesse left. Uh, they went to go to, I think, to make, maybe go to McDonald's because we knew that it was going to be at least a couple hours until Heidi really started going to labor. and We had to really be concerned about things. And so they took off and it probably wasn't more than about 10 minutes after they left that just like that, boom, Heidi's water broke. And she probably delivered Emily, it couldn't have been more than about five minutes and she was out. I mean, they were telling her, don't push, don't push. And she's like, whatever. And she was, uh, you know, matter of fact, I don't, think she ever, I don't think the doctor ever even made it there. She was already coming out by the time the doctor came. And so, of course, you know, to us, everything was fine. But the doctor told us afterwards that if she had not been born like that, see, usually when you have this condition, they do a C-section because it's the actual starting to go into labor that begins to, begins to affect the baby and that, those nutrients are cut off and by the time you actually deliver, unfortunately, the baby's usually dead. And we had no idea that, that that was ever a possibility. The reason I tell you this story is because there's another, another word or phrase or, or thought, idea in John 15 that's really important. And it's the difference between us bearing good fruit and bearing bad fruit. It says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. Ten times in this passage of scripture, it says, remain in me, remain in you, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. My words remain in you. Remain in my love, remain in my love, remain in my love. 
folks, the difference between bearing good fruit or bad fruit is when we remain in Christ, when we remain attached to him. I was talking to Patty and just trying to get a little insight. I, I, am no, I, I have no green thumb. I'm lucky to have thumbs at all. But Patty is a master gardener. And so I was talking to her a little bit. And, you know, some of this stuff might seem real basic to those of you who know things. But, but one of the things that Patty just kind of confirmed for me is that it is vital for a branch to remain fully attached to the plant, to the body of the plant, because that's where it receives its nutrients. And whatever flowers or whatever fruit it's going to bear are going to depend directly on whether it is fully attached to the rest of the plant or not. And folks, that's all that, that's all that this passage is saying. Jesus said, he said, I am the vine, and you're the branch. Remain in me. Intimacy, a closeness to God, is the key to being fruitful. I mean, honestly, I could really stop right there. It doesn't have to go beyond that, folks. The key to you and I being fruitful in our lives and leaving an aroma and a taste behind that is palatable and that draws other people to Jesus, it has everything to do with our closeness to God. I'm going to read you a few scriptures here. You can write them down if you want. I'm just going to go through them because I do want to make sure that I drive this point home. This is what Jesus said about himself in his relationship to his Father and his ability to get the job done. John 5.30, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. John 8.28, Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. John 12, 49. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say, commanded me what to say and how to say it. And John 10, 30 says, I and the Father are one. Worship team, I want you to go ahead and come on up. One of the things that I wanted to make sure I did today in whatever I shared is I wanted to make sure that it lined up with what God has been speaking to this church. I'm not much of a note taker. but I think I can remember the things that God is speaking to me about. And one of the things that I've heard Pastor Bruce talk about over and over and over again is how important it is for me, not as a pastor, but as a member of this body, as someone who calls Community Bible Church my home, it is important for me to be one with the vision of this church. God speaks to the leadership of this church about what is on his heart. 
If you don't believe that or you don't trust that, then this probably isn't the church that you need to be at. And that's not, that's not meant to be a knock against you. That's just meant to be you might need, you might, maybe somewhere else is where you're supposed to be. But I believe that God has been speaking to our pastor and to the leadership of this church. And it's important for me to align myself with that vision. And one of the things that God, I think, has been saying very clearly to us is that he wants us to be on mission with him, that he has a purpose. Folks, your job and my job, you know, I, I believe in it. For those of you who only know me as a pastor, I've been doing this now for, this is my ninth year. But the previous 12 years, 10 years, I sat in these pews just like you did. God has not called any of us to sit in these pews and take up space. If you consider this your home, then you are part of the mission that Jesus has. And if you are not actively engaged in bearing fruit in this congregation, then not only are you missing something, but people in this body are missing something too. And that's not meant to be a rebuke. That's not meant to be a harsh word. It's reality, folks. It's so easy to come to church and just sit here and hope that we get something out of it and then we leave without leaving anything behind. Folks, there are opportunities every day for us to bear fruit. I could talk more. But I want God to speak to us. And I want us to be able to respond to him. I asked the worshiping just to come back up and we're going we're gonna to take a break from you listening to me. And I'd like you, I guess I'd like, to, I'd like you to ask yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what, what you've been hearing over the last couple of weeks. You've been hearing about soil and hopefully you've been asking yourself, what kind of soil am I? And now you're hearing about fruit. What kind of fruit are you bearing? What is God doing not only in you, but, but through you? And how is it being expressed in this body? And how is it being expressed through this community? You can stand if you want. You can sit. That's fine. But I want to hear from the Lord today. And I want to leave with something that's going to not only change my life, but that's going to affect the people that God has called me to. So let's just give our attention to the Lord for a little bit, okay?
I asked Bud to come up and share something that he wrote down and shared with me, and I think it's appropriate for right now. I wrote down that after uh, Barry's sermon, I wrote down blossoms cut and put on display because of those, their beauty and aroma will be admired but will eventually wither and die. And of course that means there will be no fruit. And uh, we all like flowers that are on display in the table or wherever. But uh, I've also been reading Oswald Chambers and he talks about living the ordinary and in the drudgery. And in the ordinary and the drudgery, we have to produce fruit the same as uh, when we want to be or we think that we need to be on display for others to see. Uh, I don't know if that's making sense, but living in the ordinary and the drudgery is about what Barry was preaching about uh, our lives. Need to see the fruit in the ordinary and the drudgery. Thank you, Bud. John 15, 8 says this, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And this song that we're singing is about lifting Jesus up. Folks, the fruit of our life, every word, Every thought, every action should bring the Father great glory. The things that Jesus did on this earth, He did not just to touch people, but He did them to draw them to the Father, to glorify the Father. And Jesus is the one that said, unless, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground, it remains alone. But if it dies, man, it bears a lot of fruit. Jesus' death, Jesus' departure from this earth was so that you and I could be those, those seeds. And as we die to our own desires and the things that we want to do, we produce fruit in others. Lord, would you be glorified today? Would you help our lives to lift you up? Would you forgive us for pursuing so many things that are empty? Not that they're bad, but they're temporary and they won't last. Lord, forgive us for for allowing that bad fruit to be manifest in our lives. Instead of allowing the fruit of your spirit, love and joy and peace,
kindness, gentleness, goodness. Lord, we've so often just lived the same way the world does. And when people see us and they see our fruit, oftentimes they don't see much difference between us and them. Lord, would you forgive us for that? Because so many times, Lord, it's, it's prevented us from really loving each other the way that you've wanted us to. And you said that it's the way that we love others that would show the world that you were real. Lord, we want you to be lifted high. Pastor Bruce this year has been talking to us about transformation. Lord, we need to be transformed. We need to be different. Reflecting your nature and not our own. Come, Lord. As best we can this morning, we lift you up. just want to share something uh, uh, really briefly. Uh, <laughs> the Lord blessed us uh, with just amazing children. And uh, our oldest son for the last several years has had to live separately from his family uh, because of his employment situation. And for years, I had been praying. God opened a door for them. Open a door for him. Take him, Lord. Open the door so he could go where you want him to be. Bless him, Lord. And I was praying that prayer again this week. And just the most loving voice spoke to me as I was praying it. And that loving voice said, you have praying, been praying that the Lord will open a door, but you need to change your prayer. You need to pray that the Lord will open the door that he wants to walk through with him. That may not seem like a much of a change but that is a profound change because I had been praying Lord open that door so that he can go but no the spirit said to me pray that the Lord will open the door that he desires to go through with him and I have changed my prayer and I have such peace from the Lord and I just want to share that with you today because if you are praying that the Lord will open a door for you in any situation in your life that you desire his will then change your prayer 
and ask him to open the door that he desires to go through with you. Hallelujah. John 15, 7, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Remember that verse, Jaden? If my words remain in you, folks, God wants to give us the desires of our heart, but our heart has to be aligned with him before he answers those prayers. The easiest prayer to have answered is the one that conforms to his will.
I had a hard time with this one because the fact of the matter is this week I have I failed so miserably and the fruit in my life was not good I lost my temper and uh, it was just ashes and dust but the word the Lord gave me was handcrafted and if something is handcrafted that means a master craftsman is doing it hands-on and he wants us to know that he hasn't farmed us out to somebody else and we aren't going through a manufacturing plant but he is right there with us we are not alone and we are being handcrafted. Would you guys stand with me, please? Lord, we respond to you today. We want our lives to lift you up. Every thought, every word, every action, Lord, we want it to bring glory to you and to your Father and to build your kingdom. Holy Spirit, would you come would you bring cleansing? Would you bring conviction? And would you bring the power of the Holy Spirit into our lives to do what only you can do? Thank you, Lord. One more time through the chorus, Danae.
this week we had uh, Danae over for supper, and I felt a real urging by the Holy Spirit, and I thought about it a while, and then I, I told her, and I repeated it several times, and I don't know, I think I texted you as well. And I said to her that I thought that this was for this morning. It was to be patient. It was to be patient to the point of being uncomfortable. Is that right? Be patient to the point of being uncomfortable, and then wait. I love it when God speaks to a body. I think we've sat and waited this morning longer than I could remember last. And I was uncomfortable. Maybe there are a couple of the rest of you who are uncomfortable as well. But that's the kind of stuff that I think God desires of our heart, is to wait on him. To wait. That is an impossible thing in America. To wait. So I give him the praise today for... He's done something. Rest assured. Where's Jerry Berglund? Jerry, are you there? Would you come on up? I'd like you to close us in prayer today, please. Father, we give you all the praise, we give you all the honor, we give you all the glory. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We realize, Father, through him we have life. Only through him is there life. Father, you require only one thing from us. Only one work do you require from us, and that is that we would believe in your son, Jesus. Father, we want to be your servants. We want to be your disciples. Father, we want to bear that cross. We want to deny ourselves, Lord. Help us, Lord, to deny ourselves, Lord, and do only the things that you would have us to do. Just as your son Jesus said, I only do my Father's will. That's what we want to say too. We only do, Jesus, what you want us to do. Father, this coming week, Lord, we want to be overcomers. Help us, Lord, to be overcomers. Help us to bear fruit, Lord, the fruit of your Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, long-suffering. Father, we covet your blessing. Be with us. Give us the boldness, Lord, to speak about your goodness to those around us, to those that you bring to us, Lord. Give us that boldness as David prayed, as Paul, Apostle Paul prayed. We want that boldness, Lord. We want to bring in, we want to be good fishermen. We want to bring in those, Lord, that you bring in our path into your kingdom. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise. Hallelujah.
Can I get an amen? Amen. I want to thank you for being here today and for being so patient. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your Memorial Day weekend. And believe it or not, we have some fruit here and it is up for grabs. So if you are vitamin C deficient, you get first pick along with any visitors that we have today. Thank you for coming and God bless you.